Amen. Very good. Thank you, men. Let's uh, take our Bibles. We'll go to Second Chronicles chapter number 26. Second Chronicles chapter 26. Well, it is great to be here, and I want to thank you for allowing me to come. Thank you, Dr. Wayne, for inviting me to come. I'll tell you just a little bit. I have not been at Camp Joy in probably 11 years, and I used to bring our teen group here for 10 years in a row, and so it has been great to be back. And now being back as a pastor, not as a youth pastor. So that is a great blessing. And um, so, so thankful that you're here. I know many of you, I've never met you. But let me find out just a little bit. Of course, uh, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. That's where I was born and raised. And uh, God led my wife and I uh, to go to Peoria, Illinois. That's where we served the Lord for 12 years. And I was a youth pastor, assistant pastor. And then God took us to... Um, of course, our church we're at now, Grace Baptist Church, Urbana, Ohio, and I became a Buckeye when I got there, all right? Let me find out, do we have any Michigan fans here tonight? Any Michigan fans? If the doors, I'm joking, all right? But anyway, all right? We have Michigan fans in our church, and uh, we have a lot of fun with it. Now, do we have any Packer fans here tonight? Would you raise your hand? Any Packer fans? All right. We have some Packer fans in our church. They're crazy, but uh, hey, you know? And so, but we have a fun time with them as well. I'll tell you, the weather has been pretty unique. I think someone told me Wisconsin is the only place where you can get a sunburn and frostbite in the same week, you know? And so I think there's some truth to that a little bit. And, um, but we're thankful that you're here. I'll say this, I am grateful to be a pastor. I thank the Lord that he called me. I got saved when I was 17 years of age, came to know the Lord as my Savior, and uh, God put a desire in my heart to preach. It's the very thing I did not want to do. And I remember wrestling with God in my heart and uh, just saying, Lord, I can't do this. And it was the very thing that God showed me. It wasn't me doing it. It was Him working through me. And I pray this week. I know you've heard great messages and great preaching. And I'm not going to tell you anything new this week. But I pray that God would work through this time I'm praying, my family is praying, our church is praying, and I want to be a blessing to you. Second Chronicles 26 is a very special passage to me. Eighteen years ago, I was in a hospital room, and my wife had just given birth to our second child, my son Caleb. And my wife and I will celebrate 24 years of being married this coming July. And I remember I was sitting in that hospital room the day before, the evening before she had just given birth to our second son. And I was just grateful, I was thankful. But God brought me to 2 Chronicles chapter 26 just in my Bible reading. And as I was reading it, it almost seemed like the Lord showed up in that room. Because God showed me something about myself that I really did not want to see. And that day when I read, it almost, <laughs> I wanted to run somewhere. Because it was almost as if God met with me and He showed me something in my life that God used. And it's a, this is a sacred passage for me. Because what I saw there in my heart and what God dealt with me, it was pretty ugly. And it was really the sin of pride. It was almost as if the Lord put a mirror in front of me that day and said, Son, look at your pride. And it was detestable. It was ugly in the sight of the Lord. 
And this evening, I want to preach to you on this simple subject. Your pride is ugly. Now, we're going to look at a man by the name of Uzziah. But I would like for us to consider not just King Uzziah, but ugly Uzziah. In fact, I remember hearing the story of Muhammad Ali, who was a very proud man. He was on an airplane one time, and the stewardess came by and said, Sir, you need to put your seatbelt on, and he just didn't want to put his seatbelt on. She came back by and she said, sir, please put your seatbelt on. He said, don't you know who I am? And she said, yes, I know who you are. And he said, look, Superman don't need no seatbelt. She looked at him and said, Superman don't need an airplane. Put your seatbelt on, all right? And so we laugh about that. But the truth is that spirit, we deal with it, do we not? I think for men as a whole, Maybe the, one of the biggest issues that we all deal with is the issue of pride. Now, I do not know you, and I do not know the issues that you deal with in your life, but I can tell you this, pride will take from you more than you could ever imagine. Tonight, your pride and my pride is ugly. Let's look at it tonight. Second Chronicles chapter 26, and let us begin, if you would please, in verse number 1. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he saw the Lord, God made him to prosper. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines and brake down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. Look at this in verse 7. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbel and the Mahoniums. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah and his name spread abroad, even to the entering in of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the turning of the wall and fortified them. Also, he built towers in the desert and digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains, husbandmen also, and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. Moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men that went out to war by bands, according to the number of their account, by the hand of Jeel the scribe, and Masiah the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. Would you pick up with me in verse number 15? And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. 
And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Now I want you to notice verse 19. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him and behold, he was leprous in his forehead and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death and dwelt in a several house being a leper for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house judging the people of the land. I want us to begin tonight in a word of prayer. Would you join me at this time? Father in heaven, Lord, I thank for these men and I thank for them taking the time, the effort, and the sacrifice to be here for this retreat. And Lord, you have brought us here together for such a time as this. And Lord, less than 24 hours, we'll all be heading back and be back in our homes. But God, I pray that you will do a mighty work these, these two days. Lord, I pray that you will give me discernment and lead me. I pray the Spirit of God would work through me. And Father, we pray that you will just shed the light of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts. Reveal to us our sin. Reveal to us areas where... Lord, we need to surrender, maybe confess and forsake. And I pray that we'll be more like Thee because of this time together. Lord, I surrender myself to You, and I pray You'll bless as only You can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, when I read 2 Chronicles chapter 26, I find a man who was used of God in a great way. Uzziah, in fact, was one of the longest kings that Judah ever had. 52 years that he was king. He was a man that lived in dependence upon the Lord. Now, there was no doubt that God helped him. There was no doubt that God gave him great wisdom and great discernment. He had military success. He built many towers and break down walls. And I mean, he had a well-trained army. Here was a man that was used of God in a great way. But there came a time in Uzziah's life when pride of his heart allowed him to think that he did not need God's hand of blessing. And he went into the temple, and we know what happened. And the Bible says that God struck him with leprosy. He was truly an ugly man to behold. Now, this evening, I want to give you a few simple thoughts. Number one, let's notice the reason for Uzziah's blessing. I find that when we look throughout the Scripture, we find that as long, I want you to notice verse number five, that he sought God in the days of Zechariah who had understanding in the visions of God. I believe that Uzziah for a long time looked to the man of God. Zechariah the prophet, he listened to the man of God. I mean, he was there faithfully obeying what the man of God said. And the Bible says in verse 5, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. The reason for Uzziah's blessing was what God had done in and through his life. And men, can I tell you something this evening? Without God, every one of us would be hopeless, we would be helpless, and we would be on our way to a devil's hell. 
Without God, without His work, without Him seeking us. By the way, we do not really seek God. He seeks after us. And we really respond to His seeking. I can remember just as a young man that really there was a time when I had no interest in the things of God. I had no interest in doing what God wanted me to do. But God began to salt me. He, he put a basketball coach in my life, a track coach. He put men in my life to influence me. People that took an interest in my life began to pray for me. And can I tell you something tonight? All of the blessings in my life I know are because of what God has done. And tonight, we need to be reminded that the reason for every blessing, your family, your marriage, your health, your strength, all of the ministry blessings are from God's hand to you. In fact, James chapter 1 and verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Listen, the source of our blessings is from the Lord. He has that source. Going back to that day that I was in that hospital room and I was thankful that now we had two children and God had blessed my wife and I. He had given us a measure of, if you want to say, blessing in the ministry. We were seeing people saved and we were seeing God work in a special way. But God revealed to me in that hospital room, He said, son, I want you to see your pride. I want you to see your arrogance and it is ugly in my sight. And I want you to see that all the source of your blessings is from my hand to you. The reason for Uzziah is a blessing. Men, tonight you have gifts, you have talents, you have achievements. It is from God's hand to you. We see secondly, not only the reason of Uzziah's blessing, but the root of Uzziah's destruction. Now we notice back in number, verse number 8, would you look in 2 Chronicles 26, and we come to verse 8, it says... And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah, and his name spread abroad. I want you to think about it. His name. People are talking about Uzziah. They're talking about how much God has blessed him. They're talking about all the great things that he has accomplished. Let's look, if you would please, in verse number 15. Notice what it says. And then he made in Jerusalem engines. That's pretty amazing. I mean, God gave him wisdom, maybe like no other king other than Solomon. God blessed Uzziah, it says, invented by cunning men, to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks, to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name, there it is, spread far abroad. For he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Notice that the Bible tells us that the root of Uzziah's destruction, the root of what caused him to get this leprosy, the judgment of God upon his life, was because of the pride within his heart. Now, by the way, God had helped Uzziah gain many victories in life. He gave him wisdom so that Judah's army uh, could win the war against the Philistines. In fact, the armies of the Ammonites and the Arabians were no match for Uzziah and his men. I mean, it was as if God was just going before him, guiding him and directing him. Uzziah grew in popularity. You could imagine people talking about their king praising their king. Uzziah heard all of that. Uzziah began to take that in. Uzziah began to no doubt think, you know, I am pretty special. You know, I'll tell you, this city would not be like it is without me. Well, I'm going to tell you something. This church would not be what it is without me. You see, we get to thinking things like that and the pride begins to dwell within our heart. 
In fact, Uzziah, this drift in his devotion to the Lord, I believe was very subtle, but it was almost undetectable until one day it broke out in open rebellion to God. You see, when Uzziah realized that the strength and the ability that God had given him, he became proud and no longer did he rely upon the Lord for his strength. The Bible says, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Now, you, we know that at 16 years of age, Uzziah became king. Can you imagine what it was like for Uzziah at 16 years of age? I am sure that Uzziah, I mean, every day came before God and said, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. Lord, I beg of you to help me. And Lord, I beg of you to strengthen me. God, I beg of you to enable me. And Uzziah knew that he needed God. But no longer was that in his life. It was just a small little drifting that he allowed into his heart. And notice that Uzziah making this sacrifice before God was one of the worst acts that Uzziah could have ever committed. We notice it. The Bible says, you notice in verse number 16, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Now we know that according to God's law, it was only the priest, it was only Aaron and the sons of Aaron that were allowed to go in and to offer that incense. I believe with all my heart that Uzziah thought, I need nobody to help me. I do not have to obey God's law. I am above God's law. I am above what God has restricted. And the Bible says that he took that censer in his hand. Look in verse 17, And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And notice what they did. They withstood Uzziah. They said, Uzziah, it appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord. Notice what they did. They said, King, please, do not do what you're getting ready to do. This is going to bring the judgment of God upon you. And Uzziah, notice what it says, he became wroth. You know, the idea was Uzziah simply said, who are you to tell me what to do? I mean, I am the king. I am the man blessed of God. Don't you know what I've done for everyone? Don't you know what I have accomplished? And the Bible says that when he was wroth. Now, by the way, man, I believe with all my heart, in that moment, if Uzziah had turned and had confessed that before God, I believe that God would have mercy and God would have forgiven him in that moment. But the Bible says when he was wroth and he had the censer in his hand, he was moving forward. He was rebellious against God's command. The leprosy rose up in his forehead. Now think about it just for a moment. Uzziah's pride brought about his great destruction. Can I ask you something tonight? The question is, not do you have pride, but where is the pride in your life? Where is it? In fact, all of us tonight have a tendency to pride. It is a part of our natural nature to be proud. I, I've met people before that have been proud about the most unusual things. I found people to be proud about their sin, about their rebellion against God. They're proud about their, maybe they're uneducated. They're proud about it. 
They're proud about things that you would have never imagined that people could be proud about. But men, tonight, there is nothing that any of us have to be proud before God about. In fact, take your Bibles and let's go to Proverbs chapter number 6. And I want you to notice here what the Bible says about pride. Now, I know that all of us understand that pride does bring about a fall. It brings about destruction. Pride makes us ugly in the sight of the Lord. Tonight, you know, the truth is matter. I wonder if we see ourselves like God really wants us to see ourselves. You know, the truth is, the Lord sees us and He knows every detail about us. But if we come into the presence of God, do you know what we find? We find what we really are in His presence. By the way, I find men like Isaiah, who when he saw the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, he said, woe is me. He said, I'm a man that's undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. When he saw God, then he saw himself in the right picture. And that hospital stay, when I began to read the Bible, and it was almost as if the Holy Spirit said, son, this is you. You are ugly. Your pride is ugly. And in that moment, he brought things to my mind that I'd said, ways that I'd acted even towards my wife, things that I knew before God, we're proud, and it was ugly in His sight. We come to Proverbs chapter 6, and let's look in verse number 16. The Bible says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. And look at the very first one, a proud look. God hates our pride. It is literally an abomination before Him. We read on here, the Bible says, A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood and a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Let's go, if you would, to Proverbs chapter number 11. Proverbs chapter 11, we come to verse number 2. Notice this verse. The Bible says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. With the lowly is wisdom. Humility brings wisdom, but pride brings shame. It brings destruction to our life. We come to Proverbs chapter 16. Would you notice verse number 5? Proverbs 16 and verse 5. The Bible says, Every one that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. I'm thankful when I was in college that I had the opportunity... Uh, to travel with Neighborhood Bible Time. Maybe you've heard of it. And I remember when I went to Boulder, Colorado, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. I hadn't really been anywhere. And when I went to Colorado, that was a different place for me, you know? And I remember getting there, and I remember training to be an evangelist, and I thought to myself, God, this is not going to work. I remember calling my dad on the telephone one day, and, and I know some of the young men can't imagine, but it was a pay phone that I had to call him on, all right? And I remember calling him on the phone, and I said to him, I said, Dad, I cannot do this. You're going to have to come and get me. Or you're going to have to get me home. I cannot do this, Dad. And I think probably one of the hardest things for my dad to do was he said, Son, you'll be fine. God will help you. You'll be okay. My dad was so mean, I tell you, you know. I thought to myself, but you know what? It was the best thing for me. I remember uh, daily praying and daily seeking God, but I, I knew that I could not go and preach to young people. I'd never done that before. I remember the day before we were to leave, and 
and um, they partner you up with someone and you go on these journeys and week after week you go to different churches and I was going to go to a place in Macon, Georgia, Grove Level Baptist Church and um, I remember finding a room and getting in that room and saying, God, I cannot do this. I can't do it, Lord. And I remember praying and seeking Him and His Word and God gave me something from His Word. But I remember getting to that rally and boy, the first rally we went to, they had a couple of hundred teenagers for me to preach to. And I was 150 pounds and man, I was scared to death and I, here I was, just a Tennessee boy and, and I thought, Lord, it's going to be bad. They're going to string me up and take me out of here. I mean, this is going to be bad. I remember for the service, I found a place and I got along with God and I poured my heart out to the Lord. And that night when I got up to preach, it was a terrible message, but God showed up on the scene. And I remember teenagers coming to know Christ as their Savior. And you know what? The Lord showed me then and there, son, it is not your words, it is not your power, it is what I can do through you. And men tonight, can I say this to you? The pride in our heart will rob you of more things than you can ever imagine in your life. I think all of us can think about men right now that allowed pride, that allowed their pride to keep them from the blessing of the Lord, to keep them from confession, to keep them from humbling themselves before God. And the devil used it to destroy them. Now when we think about pride, by the way, pride is the sin that no one wants to admit to. Why? Because of our pride. In fact, pride is usually the real reason that we get our feelings hurt. It's the real reason why we feel rejection and why we won't admit to a mistake. It's the reason why we're afraid that we won't get credit for something that we did for the Lord. It's why we stay angry. It's why we are jealous. In fact, someone once said that pride and jealousy are first cousins within the dysfunctional family called the human race. Pride and jealousy, they go hand in hand, do they not? Of someone who is proud, resents reproof, they're insecure, they cannot laugh at themselves, they need praise constantly, they tend to blame others for their problems because of the pride in their life. Now by the way, pride has many faces. In fact, I want to give you some manifestations of pride tonight as we think about the root of Uzziah's destruction. Number one, I think one face of pride is ingratitude. Why is it that we have to help children to learn how to be thankful? When my children were real small, I can remember someone at church maybe would give them something, a piece of candy, or give them a birthday gift, or whatever it may be, and they would just take it gladly. And you know what? I would look at them and I would think, if you don't say, I'm, or if you don't say thank you, when you get home, you're going to be in deep trouble, you know? And I'm thinking, say thank you. Why is it? Because pride makes us unthankful because we think we deserve better. You see, the truth is, humble people are grateful people because they think they don't deserve anything. And they are humble. In fact, Henry Ward Beecher said this, pride slays thanksgiving. But a humble mind is the soil out of which thanks naturally grows. Ingratitude is a manifestation of our pride. I wonder, when's the last time that you've been thankful to your spouse? And when's the last time you have thanked your pastor for the messages and the preaching and the love and the shepherding? When's the last time we have given thanks to others? I remember recently being in a store and I told someone, thank you, and they almost looked at me like, really? I mean, does anybody say that anymore? Because we are a nation that is ungrateful. Pride 
shows itself in ingratitude. Secondly, can I tell you that another manifestation of pride is simply prayerlessness. Do you understand tonight that we declare by our lack of praying that we just don't need God? Now, we don't say it because it almost seems blasphemous, but the ideal that we do not pray because we just don't think we need God. I believe that Uzziah was a man of prayer, but prayer became less and less in his life as he thought that he really did not need God. And Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, I am thankful for anything that humbles me. You know, I don't like to be humbled. I do not like to recognize that I am weak or that I'm not capable, but it is good for all of us because it brings us to the place of prayerfulness. Prayerlessness really is nothing but pride. William Barclay said pride is the ground in which all other sins grow and the parent from which all other sins come. This is why it is so important. And tonight, as I begin with this message, it's a hard message to preach. It's a hard message to admit, but we are men that we deal with pride. A third manifestation of pride is nothing but selfishness. We see pride most clearly in selfishness. When someone is proud, he or she is focused on themselves. I'm sure you've heard the term today, narcissism. Can I just tell you, it's just another term for selfishness. Someone may say, that person is a narcissist. No, can I tell you, they're just proud. They're just selfish. They are so full of themselves. Pride's ultimate goal is to protect self, to preserve self, and to promote self. That's what we want. We want to be seen. We want to be noticed. When I was a youth pastor, um, we used to put pictures up of teen activities. Every week, we put them up in the hallway for parents and everybody to come by and see. And then mark it down. Every team would go to that bulletin board, and you know who they would look for? Themselves. And if they were not on the bulletin board, they were kind of mad about that, you know? They would say, Brother Samuels, how come I'm not on there? I'd say, because I didn't want to put you on there, you know, or something like that. You know, but why is it? Because pride, we want to be acknowledged. We want to be exalted. Pride is hungry for attention, respect, and worship. And by the way, pride is greatly offended when it is overlooked. I had someone in our church years ago when I first went there, and um, they didn't come back for a couple of weeks, and I went and made a visit on them. And I know you think this is crazy, but I'm not, I'm not lying to you. They said, preacher, you did not shake my hand at church. You didn't shake my hand. And I said, well, did you come through the line? You know, when my wife and I stand there and stay? No, we didn't come through the line, but you didn't shake my hand at church. And I said, I'm sorry that I did not shake your hand, but there's a lot of people in church. And I said, there's no way that I can shake everybody's hand. But I'm telling you something, they were hurt. They were mad. Can I tell you? They were overlooked. And the pride when we do not get acknowledged, when we do not get thanked for things that we have done, the pride dwells within our heart. You see, proud people, by the way, often show self-pity. Do you know, in fact, self-pity is one of those things. It's a mask for pride because when we are feeling sorry for ourselves and we want others to encourage us and to tell us how great we are, it's nothing but pride. And look, I, I tell you, after I get done with preaching a message, driving home with my wife, and I'll say, honey, how was the message today? She'll say it was good. I'll say, now look, was it good or really good? I mean, I got to know, you know? It's almost like preachers, we kind of dig for that, you know? We want that approval. We want that. 
But folks, tonight, proud people are often so discontented because they are not getting the attention they want. Jonathan Edwards said, Pride is the worst viper that is in the heart and the great disturber of the soul's peace and sweet communion with God. Number four, here's another manifestation of pride. It's a critical spirit. You know, proud people see themselves better than others. They can easily find fault with others. By the way, do you found this to be true in your life? It is easy to find fault with others because we are guilty of the very same thing. It's like we're prone to that. We can find fault with them because we know that it's true about our own life, and yet we are so proud. We have a critical spirit. By the way, when pride causes us to filter out the evil that we have in our own lives, it causes us to filter out God's goodness in the lives of others, and all we can do is criticize them. By the way, we've got to guard against this spirit that we're always looking for the wrong, looking for the thing that's out of place. The proud man is hard on other people and he's soft on himself because he is unbroken and he is full of himself. Jonathan Edwards also said the proud person shows it in his fault-finding of other saints. But the humble Christian has so much to do at home and sees so much evil in his own heart that he's not apt to be busy with other hearts. Man, I'll tell you something. If we are busy with dealing with our own sin and dealing with the things in our own lives, we will not have a proud, critical spirit. Number five, here's another manifestation of pride, contention. The Bible says in Proverbs 13.10, only by pride cometh contention. And Proverbs 28.25 says, he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. Do you know, when I was a youth pastor, I would have certain young people that wherever they were at, there was contention. I mean, it didn't, didn't matter if we were playing a basketball game. There was going to be an argument. Why? Because they were there. It brought about that. There was contention. There was arguing. Uh, there, was, uh, there was an irritable spirit. There was stubbornness. They could not get along with others because of the pride within their heart. By the way, proud people rarely admit their sin or ask for forgiveness of others because they have a proud, contentious spirit. Number six, here's the last manifestation of pride. It is self-righteousness. Now, I brought this one at the last because I think that this could be the main manifestation of pride for many of us that have been in church for maybe many years. We can become so self-righteous. I don't know if you remember the story back in uh, 1991 of a man by the name of Philip Guerrero who had kidnapped an 11-year-old J.C. Duggard in 1991. He had held that girl for 18 years in a shed in his backyard and obviously had abused her sexually for 18 years. Now this man, when he was finally arrested, I want to tell you this is the truth, when he was arrested, do you know that he was actually giving out tracts in his community? Now, he was a Jehovah's Witness, but he was giving out tracts on the streets. And during his trial, he had no sense of shame, no sense of what he had done to this girl since she was 11 years of age. And all that went on, can I tell you, the man was filled with self-righteousness. 
He was so blind. You know what self-righteousness does? It blinds us to what we really are. In fact, do you know the story in God's Word about the two men that went into the temple to pray? And the Pharisee came in and, boy, his prayer. You ought to read the prayer because, Lord, I thank Thee that I am not like this other man and I don't do the things that he does. And boy, the man exalts himself. He's fasting. He's praying. All of that. But what does the publican do? He stands afar off and he will not so much as lift his eyes and he smotes upon his breast and he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Bible says that man went away justified rather than the other man. Can I tell you, the Pharisee, he was so self-righteous. In fact, you know that self-righteousness, it literally is the greatest fruit of our pride. The thing about self-righteousness is that it's easy to see in others but it is hard to see in ourselves. We, we think so much of ourselves often and, boy, I've accomplished this. And, and maybe we look at the neighbor and I don't do what he does. Or maybe our coworker and, well, I don't sin like he does. And look how clean and look how holy and separated I am. But the self-righteousness is nothing but pride. Number three, the last thing tonight. Not only to see the reason for his blessing, the root of his destruction, but number three, the result of Uzziah's reign. Now, here's where I want to get to this. Let's go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. I want you to notice, young men, I'm going to tell you this, pride comes with a high price. It comes with a high price. There is a great price for the sin of pride. We come back to 2 Chronicles chapter 26, and I want you to notice verse number 19. And I want you to notice, what was the result of his sin, of the rain left over in his life? Verse number 19, Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him. Behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out because the Lord had smitten him. Can I tell you, number one, the result of his sin was number one, Uzziah forfeited wisdom. You know what pride does to us? Pride robs us of wisdom. In fact, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my favorite authors, his wife, she said of a certain prime minister, she said this of him, well, he is clever, but he is not wise. You know, sometimes we mistake being clever for wisdom. Sometimes we mistake being smart or being street wise for wisdom. But men, wisdom only comes from the Lord. And as we yield ourselves to Him, and as we surrender to the Word of God, God gives us wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. The Bible tells us, and without wisdom, you will not know how to lead your family. Without wisdom, you are going to make the wrong decisions in life. We need wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, that's where it begins. We have to acknowledge that we do not have wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Tonight, pride will rob you of wisdom. Do you, here is Uzziah. I mean, think about him. He knew the law. 
He knew God's Word. He had listened to Zechariah. He had listened to all these preachers of old time. He knew what the Word of God said. But why is it that he took that censer in his hand? He was going to go in. He didn't have to follow God's plan. He was above that. He was above the rules. And he was above all of that because he lacked wisdom. The pride blinded him to what was right. I have seen men make decisions that I thought, how can they make decisions like that? How can they go that path? Can I tell you, they're blind. They do not see the path that they are going. Have you ever maybe been in the dark before? I, we have a lot of deer hunters in our church, and I deer hunt as well. And I'll tell you, going into that blind, you know, early in the morning, and you're trying not to shine the light, you're trying to be as quiet as you can. Man, I've ran into things before, you know? I've tripped over things before. I remember being in college, and we played a... Um, course capture the flag at night that's smart to do at you know at night and I remember man I busted my lip and I didn't see where I was going you know what when we do not have the wisdom that comes from God the wisdom as the Bible says from above there is a earthly wisdom it is a fleshly wisdom but that's not the wisdom that we need we need the wisdom from above but pride blinds us to it do you know that Uzziah forfeited wisdom when the, he allowed the pride to dwell within his heart. By the way, it's humility that leads to that awareness that we need God, we need His guidance, and we need His direction in our life. So he forfeited wisdom. Number two, Uzziah suffered separation and isolation. Now I want you to look at this. Look in verse number 21. And Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death. Look at this. And dwelt in a several house being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. I want you to think just for a moment. You think Uzziah had children? I think so. We know that. Well, what about grandchildren? Absolutely. You know that for the rest of Uzziah's life, no grandchildren hugging them, no children being in their presence because he was cut off. He had to dwell in a several house. Now, why did Uzziah not turn to the Lord? We know that God could have healed him of his leprosy, but it was almost as if the pride took over in his life and he refused to yield to the Lord. The rest of Uzziah's reign, he was cut off from his family. He was cut off from the house of the Lord, from the worship of the Lord. I mean, the fellowship of God's people. None of that was in Uzziah's life. And I have seen pride rob men of the blessing of their families, the blessing of a fellowship of a church. They have lost that. And by the way, the greatest thing that it does is it robs us of our fellowship with God. You know what pride does? Pride isolates us from God. In fact, what does the Bible say in James chapter 4? It says that God resisted the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Do you see my pride and your pride it literally, God resists us from knowing Him and being in His presence. Why? Because my pride and your pride is ugly. Oh, listen, we think of pride. It cast Adam and Eve out of the garden. Pride destroyed Pharaoh in Egypt. Pride destroyed King Saul. And pride doomed one of the thieves on the cross. Pride will do the same. Number three, the last thing. Uzziah, what was the price for his sin? Uzziah never completed God's will for his life. 
You know, it's pretty sad that his reign was shortened. Now he's living in a several house. Why? Because he's got leprosy. No man can be around him. Nobody can touch him. Not the touch of his wife. Not the touch of his children. Not the fellowship of anything. And his desires, no doubt, there was a part of Uzziah that he wanted to still serve God. He wanted to have the blessing of the Lord upon his life. But he never completed God's will. I'm going to tell you something. God has a plan for each and every one of us. But pride will rob you of that. In closing, will you go to Daniel chapter number 4. Daniel chapter number 4. That day in that hospital when I read 2 Chronicles 26, I was disgusted by my pride. I was disgusted by my lack of confession of sin. Man, I'll tell you something. When we get to the place of humility before God, it brings us not to a place where we're down on ourselves, but it's a, it's a place where we confess and yield and we surrender and we are ready to admit our sin. You study all the great revivals. Can I tell you what you will find? You will find men and women dealing with their pride. And when they are humble, that's when God blesses. When we come to Daniel chapter number 4, I want to show you in closing about Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to show you another king that was so proud, but I'm going to show you what God did in his life. Daniel chapter number 4, we come to verse number uh, 28. All this came upon the king at Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power? and for the honor of my majesty. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. They shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will." The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. Now I want to stop before I read on. That's a pretty ugly man. Can you imagine for seven years, Nebuchadnezzar was like some wild beast, I mean, he was almost not even in his right mind. That's what pride does to us. Here he is clawing and eating grass. and I mean, he's not like he was because of the pride in his heart. And look in verse 34. And at the end of the days, Nebuchadnezzar lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. He said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. And mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will and the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned to me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom. 
and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Tonight, I do not know what you are dealing with in your life, but I can tell you this from my own life. God has dealt with me time and time again about my pride. And tonight, we see the reason for His blessing. It's all from the Lord. We see the root of His destruction. It was the pride. But I want you to notice the result of His sin and what it cost Him. Tonight, let's begin this retreat by dealing with the thing that nobody really wants to admit. And tonight, let's come humbly before God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that you love us and you're at work in our lives. God, you know the sin of pride within our hearts. God, you see it. And I pray even right now that you would just take a big mirror and you would put it in front of us and we would see it. And we would know that it's ugly in your sight. Lord, bless every man here. Lord, may they be a man that is a humble, broken before thee. Broken that we can be used. Broken that we can worship. Broken. Father, do your work tonight. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.